Happy New Year. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. A couple of weeks break for the festive season, Ron. Here we are in a new year, but the new year looks a lot like the old year. <laughs> not too much seems to have changed. <laughs> no, not too much at all. In fact, uh, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to start by talking about RSP strategy. And we're going to look at the current environment. We're going to look at areas that look cheap. Uh, we're going to look at areas that have bubble valuations you need to be cautious about. And we're going to talk about what you need to know right now. With your and we'll then move on to talk about investment strategy for the coming year. So we've got lots to cover here over the next fifteen or twenty minutes. So a brand new year. Uh, let's start with with limits. Uh, there's always a limit as to how much you could contribute to your retirement savings plan. And for 2021, that was twenty seven thousand eight hundred thirty dollars. Is that correct number? That is right on. Now is it going up this year? 2022, the contribution limit is going to rise to 29,210. So that's about a $1,300, $1,400 increase. So uh, the numbers keep going up every year. And if you're making a good income, you really need to take a, a look not only at what you can contribute this year, but especially if you have a windfall, like maybe you've uh, sold a, a business or sold a farm or maybe you've retired from a, a company and you've got a big retirement uh, allowance or um, a lottery got, win or an inheritance, whatever, right? Yeah. 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 If you've, if you've come across a windfall of any type, uh, go back and look at, at how much you were able to contribute that you weren't able to fully take advantage of in previous years because you were allowed to carry forward contributions you didn't make. And so this can save you a lot of tax money. And by the way, uh, if you are going to make a contribution for your 2021 income, the deadline to do so this year is March 1st of 2022. Okay, so you've still got lots of time, a couple of months, give or take a few days here and there. What about what's going on currently, Ron? I mean, the markets have run hot, it seems like, forever to me, but uh, we all know that's not really the case. Well, we have to look at what kind of environment we're in. And we're in an environment, frankly, that we've never seen before because we have governments globally printing money and borrowing at rates that we haven't seen. Also, they've suppressed interest rates. So interest rates have been down. Inflation is going up. Debt levels are off the charts and margin loans are at new highs, boring to invest in the stock market. So there's some red flags out there. And of course, people want to be safe, but you get absolutely nothing uh, in return if you invest in bonds or GICs. I've seen a few GIC rates at 2% uh, for two years, but that's about as good as it gets. And you go out to five years and frankly, rates really don't go anywhere. So the one to two year GICs for fixed income investors, that's about all you're going to get right now. And you're going backwards at that with the way inflation is going, right? With inflation running at hot at five to 6% right now. I mean, after you take the fact that uh, if you buy a GIC yielding two and inflation is five, you're losing three. And then if you eventually take it out 
of the RSP and pay tax on it, you're probably losing 4% a year right now in, in bonds and fixed income. So not a necessarily a great place to be, but it does protect your principal. What and about, markets I was are say, Ron, What about this talk from the governments that are saying inflation's only temporary? This is not a long-term problem. I, I don't know what to believe there. With the amount of money that's been printed, you have to think it's going to continue for a while. But you, you were chatting about the fact that Interest rates are often a, re a reflection of what's going to happen with inflation, right? Well, there's two things that uh, are basically predictors of inflation. And the first one is the fact that fixed income or the bond market have, for the last 75 years, interest rates have always gone up before we've had uh, higher inflation. So interest rate right now, the increases are not reflecting or predicting a significant rise in long-term inflation. You know, we've seen a bump in inflation, and of course, that could certainly change. But for me, I start worrying about inflation when I start seeing interest rates rise, and when I see gold, which is uh, not as good an indicator, surprisingly, but still an indicator that uh, we're seeing long-term inflation. And so investors have not been piling into gold. It's been flat for basically a year. Uh, interest rates have, have gone up a couple of tenths of a percent, but they've gone nowhere as well. So what these two things are telling us is that they're telling us that the gold market and the fixed income market, they're not too worried about longer term inflation. They're thinking that it's a short term spike. And if that changes, then I think we see rates go up, we see gold start moving higher. Yeah, then inflation's something to worry about over the longer term. And and we have to reflect that in, in your investment strategy. Is there any chance that, that with gold being a little bit flat, and I'm just bringing this one completely in on the left field, is cryptocurrencies having anything to do with that? Well, I think, I think it is. I think a lot of young people especially are not interested in owning gold because they look at it as uh, the way your parents did things. And of course, young people today don't seem to have uh, a lot of interest in doing things that their parents did. So gold has been sort of shunted to the side and people have been buying uh, cryptocurrencies, have been buying uh, non-fungible uh, tokens. Um, I mean, if you want to own a piece of Hank Aaron's jersey, uh, somebody will take a picture of it and sell you a one ten thousandth percent interest, not in the jersey, but in a picture. Yeah. And you'll pay enormous amounts of money for that. Now, I don't quite understand that stuff personally, and we'll get into uh, cryptocurrencies a little further uh, in our conversation. But the investment merits of owning a picture of something and charging a huge amount of money for it, I don't quite see that. So my worry with the, the, the cryptocurrencies versus gold is that governments, if they allow cryptocurrencies to take over, means that they lose control of their ability to print money, their ability to uh, borrow disappears. And with government spending so much, I don't think that they're willing to give that up without a, without a huge fight and maybe outlawing Bitcoin. So or any of these other cryptocurrencies. So uh, I'm worried about Bitcoin and I haven't bought into it for the simple reason that A, I don't understand it, 
but I see risks that I think people aren't paying attention to until it gets sorted out. If governments say, no, Bitcoin's fine, we're going to allow Bitcoin to, to uh, uh, share space right along with uh, Canadian dollar, U.S. dollar, European currencies, Japanese yen, I, I'll be the first to say we've got a new paradigm I'm willing to jump in. But the Chinese government has outlawed Bitcoin and any of the other cryptocurrencies. And uh, I think that they've just been the first to react. And I think other governments are going to end up doing the same, put very big restrictions on this. And if they do, uh, that's going to hurt the price. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the markets. Uh, as we say, that they've been pretty hot. Anything right now that, I, I hate to use the word cheap, anything that's reasonably priced in your estimation, any sector? Well, right now, Gord, the problem with anything that's cheap comes with risks. Okay, so first of all, let's take a look at uh, the Chinese tech stocks and the FANG stocks in China, equivalent to the uh, Facebook, Apple, uh, Netflix, Google over here, would be Tencent, Baidu, Alibaba, and JD.com. And of course, what the government has done over there is the government has taken put huge restrictions on these things. We're starting to see rumblings of that in Europe, where they're going to uh, prevent companies from tracking you. They're going to uh, charge taxes because these companies have businesses there, but do are registered in non-taxable jurisdictions like Barbados or Bahamas. Uh, they're putting restrictions on how many companies, media companies especially, these guys can own. And so Chinese tech stocks, like many of them, are down 50% off their highs. They are cheap here. And of the four that I mentioned, I own Tencent and I own Alibaba. And I think they're cheap. But I think an investor, if you're buying anything in that space over there, you have to recognize the risk might continue, number one. And number two uh, is that things could take a while to sort themselves out before these stocks start going up. Uh, we, we touched briefly on gold. You said how it's been flat. Do you, do you think gold's an investment opportunity right now? Well, I think that we're the investment opportunity, and usually I prefer gold over precious metal stocks. But the three big players in uh, North American space are Barrick, Newmont, and Ignico Eagle. And I own, the personally own Newmont and Ignico Eagle. But these stocks are cheaper uh, they actually have earnings, and they're cheating, trading on a very reasonable multiple of their assets, their sales, and their earnings. And I haven't seen gold at these prices in years. So it might take a while for gold to get going again, but these precious metal stocks, uh, frankly, and that whole sector uh, appear to be reasonably cheap. Like I say, uh, I think you can look at virtually any of the gold stocks and you'll see their valuations we haven't seen in, in a decade. Okay, real estate on the prairies. Uh, we're excluding the West Coast and the Southern Ontario market here, but Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, good place to invest in real estate, you think? Well, I think uh, especially people don't realize you can use your RSP to fund a down payment on a home. And for first-time home buyers, you could take to thirty-five thousand out of your RSP and use it for a down payment. And with real estate prices as cheap as they are on the prairies, and I think frankly that oil's got some upside. 
And I think people underestimate the Alberta economy. Number one, Alberta is rapidly diversifying. I mean, we've got the largest, uh, right now we've got the largest solar farm in Canada. A lot more of them are coming on stream. Uh, we're going to be doing things with hydrogen. Uh, the, uh, the other thing is, too, you know, I still have a lot of friends in the business community here. There's a lot going on in Alberta right now that's not being reported because we don't carry business news like we used to. But there's a lot no, that's I'm, really positive right now. And we're not carrying any positive news. It's always uh, about COVID, and it's about how governments are mishandling things, and it's about people chasing down other people because they're, they're anti-vaxxers. And, you know, it's all the negative news, but there's a lot of positive stuff going on. And frankly, Alberta's always been one of those places where we're, we tend to be more entrepreneurial. We tend to be harder working. We've got a lot going for ourselves in this province. And frankly, I think real estate is there's going to be an opportunity there. So uh, one way to take advantage of this, especially for young people who are wondering how they can afford getting into a home. Well, use your RSP to fund a down payment. And uh, I think with low interest rates and low prices, with great things the way they are, yeah it's, yeah, it's a great opportunity for young people. If you want to own a home, the trick is the time to buy is when interest rates are low and prices are down. Okay, let's look at, at another sector of real estate. And I want to put these two together. Office towers and shopping malls, they, they somewhat seem to be out of favor. A lot of vacancies run. Yeah. The, the interesting thing, though, is that with both shopping malls and office towers, most of these places occupy prime real estate. And real estate prices are, have gone through the roof. So if you have a shopping mall, you can repurpose it. Uh, you can turn it into a, a retirement residence and have the main floor of the shopping mall for, for all kinds of little shops and things like that, places to get your hair cut, uh, medical facilities. So it's, only, it's almost like a small town within a community. And so you're seeing shopping malls get repurposed uh, for other things. And I think that because they're cheap right now, and office towers are cheap here again, office towers can be repurposed because to become... Yeah, for condominiums. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities. So I think both of these in shopping malls, for example, Rio Can Reit and Office Towers, Brookfield Office Properties, they're just some examples of companies that are that are way down from their highs. And there's lots of others. And I'm just using these as an example. You know, and if you have a little bit more cash, and uh, you might even and can get together a group of investors. It might, if you can find a, a small tower or, or business building that you can do a conversion on or a, or a shopping mall, you know, and especially in some of these smaller communities, some of these malls are, nobody's going to them. Uh, you could repurpose these things. I think there's opportunity there. Okay, you touched briefly on oil and gas. Uh, it seems to be doing pretty well right now. Yeah, we've got a show coming up next week on the oil and gas industry. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the future prospects for energy. But people have essentially written off oil and gas as going nowhere. And over time, that demand is going to drop. And yeah, over the next 20 or 30 years, demand for energy is, is definitely going to drop. 
but they're not going to be able to make the transition as we've talked many times on this show nearly as quickly and companies like arc energy vermilion baytex Ener plus and i can go and i could spend half an hour here just going through a companies uh that are alberta based or calgary based that have are down 50 percent or more off their highs uh they've got good balance sheets They've, they've really had capital discipline. So that sector, I think, is still inexpensive. And I think especially focusing on natural gas, because this transition is not going to go smooth at all. And we're going to need uh, basic fuels to keep us going for a lot longer than most people think. Well, anybody who uh, hung their hat in Alberta through most of December and into the early part of January, pretty thankful about fossil fuels. I think it's been bitterly cold. And, uh, you know, if you were relying on a windmill or a solar panel to heat your house, I think you might have had a bit of a problem. But that's just my opinion. (laughs) I don't think it's your opinion. I think it's it's a fact. Okay, let's look at some of the areas that maybe are in a bubble right now that you want to stay away from because they're, they're a little risky right now. Yeah, and and just backtracking a little bit, Gord, uh, one sector that comes to mind that I just want to add to this list is the pharmaceuticals. Okay. And surprisingly enough, you know, with with all the jabs that we've had to receive and all the medical science going into uh, finding uh, cures for, for COVID and vaccines, is that pharmaceutical stocks are cheap. And you look at the big names. I mean, I can go down the list. I can go Merck. I can go Novartis. I can go Pfizer. I can go Bristol-Myers. I mean, all the big guys. And frankly, they're, seen, they're trading as cheap as I've seen them in decades. So uh, that's another sector that, frankly, is, is worth a look. Most of these companies have good, solid balance sheets, pay good dividends, and they're cheap right now. Okay. can add that to the list. So bubbles. Now, we, we mentioned we excluded Toronto and Vancouver real estate out of that, that talk about prairie real estate for good reason. I mean, it's really expensive for real estate on the West Coast or in, in southern Ontario. And so you want to be careful of REITs that are concentrated there. And, of course, uh, even if you look at the East Coast right now, the Maritimes, um, you've seen prices, frankly, in, in some of the smaller towns where I've been talking with some of my friends out on the East Coast, they've seen prices that of houses that have sat there empty for five years. And these prices have doubled and in some cases gone up even more with multiple bids from people who, have, who haven't even come out to take a look that are just buying things online. So, you know, you've seen crazy prices. And of course, Montreal and uh, Quebec, the two big cities there, Quebec and, and, and the city of Montreal, they've seen prices go up too. So you have these, uh, you have this area in the, of the prairies in Canada that's cheap. But the other areas are highly priced. So you want to be careful if you've got real estate investment trusts that are concentrated in these really, really hot markets where you've got people, you know, house comes up for sale and you've got 12 bids on it within an hour. Uh, those mar- that kind of market is not sustainable. And of course, many of these REITs are buying into these markets. They're buying really overpriced properties where uh, the income is marginal on them, and they're just hoping for more big gains. And I don't think hope is a strategy when you're buying in a high market. We've talked about the move to electric cars. Uh, a couple of stories in the last month that came out that, uh, you know, the head of the Automobile Manufacturing Association saying, 
we're not equipped yet. <laughs> we don't have the infrastructure here. This is all a very noble idea, but we're not ready yet. So stay away from electric car manufacturers, do you think? Or? Well, I think you want to be careful. Just to give you an evaluation idea, which is on top of the practicality uh, um, that you mentioned, is Volkswagen, or VW, for example, makes 11 million cars yearly, and they've got all kinds of exotic brands, including Audi, uh, including Porsche. And of those 11 million cars that they manufacture, half a million are electric. And the company is worth $75 billion. Uh, they're saying that within the next two years, Volkswagen is probably going to be producing more electric cars than Tesla is. Now, Tesla will sell a million electric cars this year. They're getting recalls on half a million of those cars. So, you know, the company is obviously the leader, but they've got problems too. And so you've got a company that produces a million cars a year versus the company that produces 11 million cars a year and will soon catch up to you in the total number of electric cars they produce. And Tesla's got a valuation of a trillion dollars. And so, um, you know, I believe that electric cars have a big future, but uh, personally, I'd be reluctant to play Tesla. I'd be looking at some of the cheaper alternatives. So, I mean, people have made a lot of money on Tesla congratulations for doing that but it is not a cheap investment at all and you want to be careful when you're investing in something that is that expensive it's 12 times more expensive than bw is for example and bw produces literally 11 times as many cars okay high tech and i think the reason that maybe you're a little bit hesitant there is that prices are high but there's they're they're nibbling around the edges the governments are looking at these guys very very hard and saying, like, you're maybe getting a little too big for your britches. Don't you think that's part of it? I think that you nailed it, Gord. Uh, my, my apprehension with owning tech stocks right now is I see what's happening in Europe. And I see what's happening in China. And, of course, these are the canaries in the coal mine of, of far more restrictive legislation coming down. And, of course, many of these technology companies have gotten to the point where they become monopolies and that never sits well with consumers and never sits well with legislators. And so if some of the legislation that's happening in China and Europe comes over to North America, uh, these companies will continue to make money. So I don't have any problem with Microsoft's and the, the Google's and the Facebook's as far as their ability to generate profits, they will continue to do so. But the valuations are so sky high. So if, if their ability to make profit and grow is capped or reduced, the prices will come down. So I think there's going to be opportunities in tech. But, you know, I'm one of those patient guys. And we'll go online, you'll find lots of people who aren't patient, who believe you should get in and stay in. But I'm a patient on the tech stocks right now, and I'm waiting to see what happens to legislation because I think 2022 is going to be a big legislative year for, for high tech. Long duration bonds you mentioned earlier, just something to stay away from, right? Yeah, I mean, if you buy a, a 20 year bond and interest rates go up by 1%, I mean, you can see these bonds lose 20% uh, of their value or more. 
And so you do not want to try and chase yield by investing long-term because long-term duration bonds that have long-term maturities, they get killed in rising rates. And I don't know if we're going to see rising rates uh, immediately, but I think uh, somewhere over the next few years, rates are going to start going up. And so uh, I would highly recommend keeping your uh, duration short-term, you know, buy GICs or buy ETFs that own short-term bonds or buy money market funds. And you're not getting much, but frankly, it beats losing uh, a quarter of your, the value of your, um, your capital. Okay, so what about the unknowns right now? Obviously, the big one's coronavirus. We have no clue what's going on, it seems to me. Absolutely no clue. No. And uh, so we've got two big risks to the, uh, to the economy this year. And the first, like you say, is coronavirus. Is the Omicron going to turn out to be a nothing burger? You know, no worse than the flu. Will coronavirus end up being like a flu and keeps mutating forever like the flu does? You know, you, you get a new one every year. Um, I don't know. But I think it's important for investors to realize that all these talking heads out there that have made all kinds of predictions, you know, that two and we're done, uh, two vaxes and we're finished, that have said, you know, uh, usually these things, these pandemics last 18 months and then they're gone. And, you know, the, the list goes on and on about all the predictions that have been made about the virus. And frankly, a lot of them just haven't uh, come to pass because we just didn't know enough. We're making predictions on things we didn't understand. So will we have a recession this year if we go back into lockdown? How will inflation in, uh, affect interest rates in the economy? And like I said before, we're in the biggest financial experiment the world has ever seen. And with uh, a global effort to print and borrow our way out of our global financial problems, and this outcome has never been historically good. I mean, this has never worked out in the past. Central bankers say it's different this time. I'm not so sure. So sooner or later, we're going to have a recession because you just can't keep people locked down and printing money without creating wealth forever. It just it doesn't work. And what happens if that happens? So you've got to have a strategy going into this. Okay, so sit on the money market right now, do you think, is the best place to be? Well, I think there's, uh, you know, I've got a couple strategies I, uh, I, I, would, I would recommend and at least get you to think about before you put money in this year. And, and so if you're concerned like I am that we're going to see, we could see a recession and that things are high, well, I plan to, uh, you know, sit on my money short term and just see how RSP season plays out. Often, because money's pouring in during RSP season, Typically, what you end up having happen is you end up having a um, bit of a spike. Yeah, you end up with a spike in prices. And so often after the RSP season ends, you have a pullback. And I think that might create an opportunity. And also, I'd like a little bit of a runway just to see what happens with inflation and what happens with the COVID virus. So I'm planning on sitting on my hands for the next couple of months and being more of a spectator than anything else. And of course, the other route would be, um, you know, if you invest every month, if you have an ETF where you have a mutual fund where you're just putting a, a little bit of money away every month, uh, just continue to do that. Buy a little and, during RSP season and then just keep dollar cost averaging and over time you'll average out. But 
I think you want to be careful out there this year. Yeah, so you know your your strategy for twenty twenty two caution as always. I mean, we've we've said that many times. Do your homework, be prepared, watch for the opportunities, and then when they're there, make that's when you make your move. Next week, we're going to touch. We mentioned we're going to touch a little bit on oil and gas. That's uh, uh, you know an area that's very near and dear to Albertans' hearts, very much in the spotlight. And we'll be back to talk about that next week with the financial coach, Ron Hebert. Remember, if you have a show suggestion or a question, you can reach us through our website at letsmakemoney.ca, or you can also come through us through the uh, cfcw.com portal. We're back next week with another edition of Making Money. On behalf of Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.